Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Chris Sale moments away from making his 2021 debut for the Boston Red Sox to take on the Baltimore Orioles. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slider. Sweet me. How about that? Looking back door went all the way across. Got him. He strikes out two in his return. Payoff pitch. Yes, paint me right there in the middle. Struck him out. Number three for the lefty. Swing and a miss. He sets him down for his fourth K in the book. 2-2. And he struck him out. Caught him looking. 94 miles an hour. Sweepage. Thank you. Pretty nasty. 80 mile an hour slider. Swing and a miss. Gas that time. 95. Yes. His seventh strikeout. Looking for number eight on the day. And that's it. He had him swinging at that last Friday. You've got hit and run here on the score. Matt Spiegler with you. Sean Anderson producing. Only on for another 90 minutes or so up until Cubs pregame. Got a lot to squeeze in to the next hour and a half. Callers want to talk about the White Sox. Lots of issues over there. Lots of conversation over there for a team that good playing in the midst of some incredibly exciting regular season series here with the Yankees. First in Iowa, now on the south side, and then Oakland coming to town starting tomorrow for three. But those highlights out of Boston where Chris Sale came back pitching for the Red Sox for the first time in two years. His fastball hit 94. It hit 95 a little bit later on. He threw five innings, 89 pitches, struck out eight, allowed two runs, looked really, really good, and is an unbelievably huge acquisition for the the Red Sox here at the end of August or in the middle of August, I should say, as here they come back. This from Alex Verdugo, great player for the Red Sox um, in the Mookie Betts trade. It kind of feels like a reset. It feels like we got our guy. We got our bulldog back. Just hearing the way he talks to the team and just brings everybody together, the passion he has for this game, it fires you up. That's the best thing I can say. As a player with him, he makes you want to play, makes you want to do even better. Boy, that's strong stuff. About Chris Sale? Chris Sale, passionate like that? Want to make sure you heard this yesterday. Chris Sale had the major injury that so many had feared he was going to have. 
after years and years of dominance and finally signing that massive contract in Boston. And Chris Sale had this to say after the game about how... Sorry, Sean. He had this to say after the game about how baseball was taken away from him a couple years ago. From me for two straight years, and and I realized how much I needed this game. And how, you know, this training staff—they—they've done everything they can possibly do to get me back out on my field. My teammates give me life, man. I, I like this thing was taken from me for two straight years, and and I realized how much I needed this game and how much I needed my teammates and how they made me feel complete again. Um, I had a hole in my chest for the last two years, and it sucked. And for those guys to be there and. and it was, it, was, it was a special moment. There's a hole <laughs> in my life. Chest. There's a hole in my life. Oh, I love the, I love the police. Thank you, Sean. I love that song specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chris Sale with a hole in his chest. Um, what, what, you could have gone with extreme, right? There's a hole in my heart. That can only be filled by you. Wholehearted Jay Zawaski would have enjoyed that with his love for Nuno and Extreme. But I love that you went police, damn it. That's why you're my guy. Welcome back to Chris Sale. And look, if you're a White Sox fan, whatever. Chris Sale goes there, does his thing, helped them win a World Series. Now he's coming back. Yuan Moncada, a major part of what you do. Although he's been slumping lately, that's for sure. And Michael Kopech, a major, major part of what you do and what you have in that bullpen. Let's go to the phone lines and continue here on 670 The Score. I, let's see, where is it? There it is, having mouse problems on the computer. Now I'm here. Thank you, callers, for hanging on and getting in there. This is Todd in Dwight, Illinois. Hello, Todd. Welcome into Hit and Run on 670 The Score. What's happening? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, going back to the uh, Kimbrell Hendricks discussion you had, and I thought you made some great points. And obviously, a lot of people, you know, Sox fans especially, are wondering if it's time to flip flop them in the mentality. But here's my concern question. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on it. Um, I'm worried about Kimbrell that the last, you know, two times he was the guy in a pressure situation, he had to be replaced as a closer by one Chris Sale in the World Series. And when the Cubs immediately traded for him, I'm sure as a Cub fan you remember that complete implosion in that weekend series against the Cardinals where he blew two saves and pretty much ended the Cubs' season. So this past year, while the Cubs, and I'm not trying to be mean, but, I mean, they weren't really in a pennant race. There wasn't a lot of pressure, and he was the most dominant closer in baseball. And I'm just worried he's, you know, this one of these guys that, uh, you know, w- when there's no pressure, he's lights out and uh, – when it really starts to get important, he kind of uh, shrinks a little bit because he hasn't been too impressive since he came to the White Sox either. So, and if I can, can I have kind of a fun question for you? Um, sure. I was wondering if you could answer this for me. And, again, this is all in fun. Whose career homicide do you think is more egregious? You and Mac by having uh, Gordon Beckham on, the, on your daily show a few years back or Layla and Bernsey, uh assassination of Ian, of Ian Happ's career? Uh, on their show. I, th- I thought you'd enjoy that, buddy. So thanks and have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's holding us responsible, holding me and Mac responsible for the demise of Gordon Beckham. It sure felt that way at the time. As every week we'd have him on, like, Gordon, uh, why aren't you hitting? 
Well, uh, I just got to get back to being me, and I got to, oof, painful. I'll tell you what, Layla and Bernsey have done a far better job than me and Mac did at pulling content out of Ian Happ and making entertaining conversation with a struggling ball player. Um, because I think I, too, too much during that uh, Beckham experience was spent by me trying to get inside Gordon's head or get inside the mechanics and try to talk hitting with them like I was a hitting coach. I spent too much time doing that because it eventually just got no good answer. None at all. And it was painful. So I think uh, the career homicide of me and Dan McNeil on Gordon Beckham is more egregious. Ian Happ is more responsible for his own demise. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. If it is indeed a demise. We'll talk about Ian Happ a little bit at the top of the next hour when we talk about keepers or not among the current Cubs position players. Um, interesting stuff on Kimbrell. I, it, I think that his failings in Boston were because um, he lost velocity, he lost mechanics, and got very, very hittable. But he also couldn't find the plate, to your point. So it's interesting. It's, you know, it's interesting. You know, you can't fully get inside the heads of these guys. What I did learn about Kimbrell during his Cubs run is that his mechanics can get a little bit off and that can mess with the ride of the fastball and can mess with the control and everything. And I remember Ron Coomer was the guy to really dissect that and figure that out. And then he saw them working before the game on a few things and realized what they were working on. And Kimbrell's got that stuff figured out now. So I understand your concerns. It is one of the more fascinating things in baseball. The mentality of closers, the mentality of bullpen management, and the volatility of it is such that, boy, you can have a whole game that goes great, and then you make the correct bullpen move, the correct choice. And it blows up in your face. And it is debilitating. Like, like a big drive to get into game-winning field goal territory. And then there's a double doink as we go back to bump and run for a moment. Thanks for the call, Todd. Appreciate that very much. Bill is on a car phone and wants to talk about Eloy in the outfield. Took a call from Stan in Bellwood last hour about Eloy in the outfield and how the White Sox will rue the day of giving him his chances out there. Bill, you're on. Good morning. How are you? Yes, good morning. Uh, yeah, uh, Eloy got hurt a few times. That's a small sample size. Uh, Schwarber got hurt in left field, and he was really a butcher when they put him out there, and he learned to be a competent left fielder. Mm-hmm. So confident that when he signed as a free agent, he signed with a National League team, not an American League team. Eloy is a 24-year-old elite world-class athlete. There's no reason why he can't learn to be competent out in left field. If you play him as a, a designated hitter, you know, what are you going to do about Grandal when he comes back? Are you going to catch him every time? What are you going to do about Abreu? You gonna, you're not going to give him a blow here and there? And... If he plays as a designated hitter, when they go to the World Series and he's they got to play three or four games against National League teams, and he hasn't been out there and, and had you know uh, experience out there, what are you going to sit him in the World Series? Hmm. I, I just think he's not as much of a liability as Stan or a lot of other people 
think he is in left field. Thanks for the call, Bill. I agree with you. I don't think he is a defensive liability at that low premium position. I think he is a danger to himself. And his bat is too important to have it lost by being a danger to himself. The the self-imposed injury issues that the man has brought upon himself need to stop forever. There should never be another self-imposed injury. And there are some that think that he separated the shoulder or messed up the, uh, the, the, the muscle there, the pec, because he was intentionally hanging on the outfield wall for entertainment purposes. And that is brutal. If there's any component of that that's true, that never needs to happen again. I think he's learned those lessons in very difficult ways, like being away from the game for four months and having his teammates be longing for him and upset with him at the same time, which we know was the case. He's not that much of a defensive liability. He really isn't. Also looks good right now. Running out there. I mentioned uh, using the, 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 the offhand to feel for the wall as he made that running catch by the wall last night. I think Bill makes uh, a lot of points that are, that are interesting and valid. And I know that in the moment after that injury, lots of us were saying, I think that's it. I think that is it. Yeah, you, you just take the glove away from him now. Take the glove away. That that was the final straw. But now here we are, and you got needs. You got needs for other people at the DH position along the way. Kyle Schwarber's injury, by the way, happened in left center with a collision with the center fielder. So those, those weird spots on the field where those kind of injuries can happen right there or coming in for an outfielder while an infielder is going out. We saw the aforementioned Ian Happ and Nico Horner bang into each other on a, a brutal play in Cincinnati earlier in the year. So that's where Schwarber was hurt. I don't know that that was all on him. Takes two to tango out there in the outfield. But for the most part, Eloy should back off when Luis Robert is involved. By the way, um, Robert looking good as an offensive weapon now, the home run and the clutch single later last night. Bad defensive moment for Luis Robert last night as he let a ball go by him and by uh, Brian Goodwin as well. But that's Luis Robert's ball all the way. Was, it, was that Brett Gardner's double that, that really was turned into a triple because Luis did not cut it off? That, that's your ball. Go get it. He will, for the most part. 670, the score is where you are. I have a growing love affair with a White Sox player I need to talk with you about. But first, let's go to Michael on the south side. Michael, what's happening? You're on the score. There's two things. First, the first thing is this. Um, they got to find somebody else besides Judge to pitch to. I mean, this guy has been killing them. I mean, like dropping nine runs in the last two games. Yeah. I mean, I mean, pitch around him, do something, walk him. Uh, never, never give, especially the outside pitch, because he loves to hit the right. So they got to start find somebody else, especially today. And the thing is, who, who's the guy they launch at the Grand Isle comeback? Jake Lamb. To me, to, yeah, to, me it's, to, to me, it's Jake Lamb. He doesn't really, he doesn't, doesn't have 
much of a purpose except as a lefty bat off the bench. And you know Tony loves Leori Garcia's bat as a lefty, even though his numbers are not great against righties. But I, to, to me, I, I, I think Jake Lamb is that guy. I'm not even sure who else it would be, frankly. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Right? Is, is there any other option that I'm, that I'm not thinking about here on the big league roster at the moment? I mean, well, Zach Collins, I suppose, because here's the thing. I, I, I love Sebi Zavala. I am enjoying the hell out of him. Obviously, defensively, his skills as a pitch framer, as a receiver, um, as a defender in every element of the catching phase, but also his focus, the joy with which he plays, the, the passion with which he plays. The grin on Thursday night after he hit the home run into the corn. And then his walk the other night in Iowa before the Tim Anderson walk-off is, is, has been greatly under-discussed, in my opinion. Sebi Zavala worked a walk. You kidding me? Come on, Zach Britton. And then last night, Sebi Zavala called on to pinch hit late in the game. And he got it up in the air, had a shot to drive in runs and did not. But even that, that swing, he got it up in the air and almost over the hands of the outstretched second baseman. He's shown a bit more bat control than I expected. Uh, I love everything he brings in terms of defensive focus. I know Zach Collins had a blast last night with the bases loaded that Gardner got to at the wall. So that was very nearly a big, big time hit for Zach Collins. It was not. But so, look, maybe Lamb will stay and they'll just send Collins down if they're feeling like Grandal is ready to catch. Um, I suspect that Lamb will go and Collins will be that lefty bat as well as another extra catcher. And they can take the heat off of Grandal by not needing him to catch right away or very often. The score is where you are. It is Matt Spiegel, who you are with. I get to mention the name Bobo Holloman coming up in a moment for a great, fun national story. And we keep taking your phone calls at 312-644-6767. That is also how you text the show. And the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Tyler Gilbert, no hits through eight and two thirties, one out away. Center field, Marte, yeah! it's a no-hitter! Tyler Gilbert has thrown a no-hitter in his first career Major League start. The first Diamondbacks pitcher ever to throw a no-no in this ballpark. And just the third in their history. Pham had walked three times, their only base runner all night long. He lined it to right center. Cattell Marte was there for the final out. Randy Johnson, a perfect game in 04. Edwin Jackson in 2010. Now in 2021, it's Tyler Gilbert in his first big league start. Amazing stuff last night. It is hit and run on 670 to score. Matt Spiegler with you talking baseball as we do every Sunday morning. Only here for about another hour as uh, Zach Zabman will be along to do the Cubs game with you. Is it Zach with pregame or is it is it Josh Liss once again with pre and post? Uh, check on that for me if you would. Sean it's uh, So Mike Esposito on pre and then we have Zach and uh, Bruce Levine on the play by play in color. It, it's been a crazy weekend for Cubs radio broadcast. Bruce Levine filling in for Ron Coomer, who is ill, but uh, hopefully going to be okay. Uh, not, uh, not COVID, by the way, uh, but Coom feeling a little under the weather. So Bruce is in there. So we've got Zach and Bruce doing the game and Mike Esposito doing pre and post. Um, I have hit and run here for you and then back with Parkins and Spiegel all week tomorrow, uh, starting at two o'clock. So, that dude right there threw a no-hitter in his first career start. Can you imagine? Tyler Gilbert, Diamondbacks win it 7 nothing. Tyler Gilbert um, has made a few relief appearances, so that was not his first game, but it was his first start. And his dad was there and his mom. Greg and Peggy Gilbert were there, but cameras had found his dad. The video is amazing of his dad throughout the entire game. And then at the end, just breaking down and crying. Tyler Gilbert said is a special moment. Glad they're here to witness that. That was cool. My dad was emotional. I told him to relax. It's okay. Gilbert's girlfriend was also there. Her parents were in the stands as well. They all were going to go out and celebrate after the game. He said he didn't know where they were. Didn't really look for them. It's just kind of doing my thing. It's just a cool story all around. And like him talking about it, saying that he actually felt very confident. Ninth inning, he goes out there and he's like, I just, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. Tyler Gilbert, a great story at age 27. Last year, because there was no minor league season, he worked with his dad. His dad is an electrician. And Tyler Gilbert spent last year working for him to make a little money, to learn the trade. I'm learning the trade. He was teaching me stuff, trying to make some money, learn a trade. I'd rather be here right now. 
had Tyler Gilbert to say, and he talked a little bit more about being an electrician for his dad versus throwing a no-hitter in the big leagues. I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I'd rather be doing this than, than pulling wires. No offense, Dad. <laughs> no offense, Dad. <laughs> rather be here than pulling wires. And I knew the answer to this question before the stat got bandied about. Has anybody else ever thrown a no-hitter in their first start? Yeah. It's Bobo Holloman. You know, my pops, who maybe you've heard on Hit and Run a, a time or three, I'm going to visit him next week. Very, very excited. Um, but my pops, huge baseball guy, put a bunch of people's names in my head, whether it's Claude Passo, the former Cub All-Star who um, gave up a big home run to Ted Williams in the All-Star game, whatever, just, you know, all these different names that are running around in my head. Bobo Holloman and Bobo Newsom. And Bobo Newsom played for like 20 seasons in the big leagues. He threw 600 innings, played for nine different teams. But Bobo Holloman threw a no-hitter in his first game. Not just his first start, his first game, May of 1953. That's the only year he pitched. The only year he played in the big leagues for the St. Louis Browns. He wasn't good. 22 career games through 65 and a third innings, had a 5.23 earned run average, and he was done. One year and done. But that was it. Played in the minors for the rest of 53 and 54. I hope Tyler Gilbert has a more successful baseball life than Bobo Holloman. But he will forever be remembered as one of the guys who's thrown a no-hitter in his first Major League start. There are four of them, apparently. Two were before 1900. Bobo Holloman, who's fun to say. Bobo, that's fun to say. And now Tyler Gilbert. Welcome to the club. That is your eighth no-hitter of 2021 Hold in on. the big leagues. You're going to talk yes. about Bobo Holloman, but you're not going to talk about the guy who did it in 1892, too, who also has a fun name of Bumpus Jones. I'm sorry. No Bumpus Jones. Uh, what, what can you tell me about Bumpus Jones? Uh, I can I tell you a little bit. Hold on. Let me find, this, okay. let me find the thing. All right, Bumpus, real, real good Chicago funk band in the 90s and the aughts. <clears throat> Bumpus. Uh, Rachel Yamagata, singer of uh, some XRT renown, was once in Bumpus back in the day. Did a double bill with them a couple of times at the Elbow Room. They're uh, there in the basement on Lincoln Avenue, but I didn't I don't know if they named themselves after Bumpus Jones. I'll have to find out real quick. Bumpus Jones and talking about name changes. Bumpus Jones played for the Grand Rapids team in 1985. They changed their name to the Gold Bugs for the 1995 season. Bumpus was pitching the pitching bright spot for this team, compiling an 11 and 20 record for a team that only won 38 games. He also became a fan <laughs> favorite for not only pitching, but for his antics on the field. The Indianapolis paper reports that in one game, he went into delirium at the plate and shook and wobbled to unhinge the opposing pitcher. The play worked as Jones walked. Bumpus Jones went into delirium at the plate, wobbled and shook and threw off the pitcher. Did he, is it possible that he had Tourette's or something and it was undiagnosed? Oh my God. I think he was just a dude in the 1800s named Bumpus. This is baseball, man. Guys named Bumpus and and guys who might've had undiagnosed conditions or just willing to be insane. Oh man. Some of that stuff. 
See, now, and this is when you, do you know about Rube Waddell? It, is it, it sounds familiar. Always, oh, man. Uh, Rube Waddell. Uh, look him up. Look him up and get to know the career of Rube Waddell. Clearly undiagnosed mental illness going on for Rube Waddell. But a fastball curve, a screwball, great control, terrific pitcher. And I always used to mix him up with Rube Marquard. You know, when you got two guys named Rube and two guys named Bobo, and they're somewhere deep in the annals of baseball history, you get mixed up easy. At least I do. But, you know, do yourself a favor and learn about the entirety of, of Rube Waddell, who used to, at times, and this is true, leave the mound and leave the park. Just go away. Absolutely. Just gone. What happened to Rube? I don't know. All right. Well, I guess we need somebody else. He took a three day. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just there's just so much. There's so much. And it's so, so good. And I'm sure he was ill at the time. Back to the phones we go. This is Kyle in Mahomet. Kyle, what's up? You're on Hit and Run. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, uh, I was calling in just as from the Cubs fan perspective here. And um, I was listening to you and Parkins the other day talk about the Hendricks Kimbrell situation. And uh, I, the more you talked about the home runs given up, it almost took me back down memory lane. It almost feels like Hendricks is in this like Brad Lidge funk right now where it's like he's so dominant, but then kind of a little risky with the home run ball. I personally feel that this White Sox team, from an outsider's perspective, bullpen-wise, you guys are so unbelievably similar to the Kansas City Royals World Series team when they had, like, Carrera, Davis, and Holland. My opinion is that you don't need a closer per se, but, like, you should go based on the matchups. But I don't think Larusa is advanced enough in that capacity. So my question to you is, I guess, do you move Hendricks to like a sixth or seventh inning role, kind of like the Cubs did with Kimbrell to get that confidence back? Or is this just going to kind of uh, set its own course? Thanks for, uh, thanks for the call. A lot, a lot of stuff in there. I, I don't know if it's quite as similar to those Kansas City teams because Ned Yost settled on a seven eight nine and just was able to lock in and just stay right there. I, I, I mean, maybe Tony would like to do that. His past actually says that he would like to do that. In terms of him being advanced to look at the matchups, I mean, you've got three guys who are righties with fastballs and secondary pitches. And, you know, so you base it on swing plane, perhaps. Certain guys uh, with swing plane, with the arc of the pitch, sometimes you look at that based on matchups. But they're largely similar guys. So I don't know that there's like mixing and matching in terms of that. There might be mixing and matching in terms of who's rested, who's hot, and stuff like that. I would not move Hendricks all the way back down to like a middle closer. Like, you know, I mean, basically, Kopech is your middle closer, as, as Joe Madden used to call him. And I, I love thinking about guys like that. First guy out of the pen. First guy out of the pen to get out of a situation. Dirty inning or clean inning whatever, to be filthy and dominant and just and get the job done and maybe stick around for an extra inning on top of that. That's Kopech. And I think Kopech likes that role, thrives on that role. 
And I wouldn't mess with that. I, I, I would absolutely 100% flip Hendricks and Kimbrell. I would have done it before last night. I said it after Thursday night that it was time to do it. And I, I think it is certainly time to do it now. And you shouldn't have to sell it in some crafty way to Hendricks. But if you do, you can say, look, I told you both guys were going to get chances. It just hasn't worked out that way that I haven't had the chance for Craig. But let's do it now. Let's do it now. Just give him a chance. And you know you're still our guy. And you're going to be our guy. And we're going to need you. So just keep your head up and do your thing. And I think he will. I think he absolutely would. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Going to switch up gears after lots and lots of White Sox calls, White Sox conversations. Let's talk about the prospects that the Cubs have gotten back in trade with somebody who has seen them up close and personal, especially Alexander Canario this week as South Bend has been battling Fort Wayne. The voice of the Tin Caps is up next with me, Matt Spiegel, on 670 The Score. Payoff. Hit really hard. Canario way deep, and it's 6-2 in the seventh. The book on him says raw power. That was raw power. I got to tell you, it's pretty fun when you're me. Matt Spiegel, host of Hit and Run, whatever, baseball human, and uncle to uh, a few different nephews and nieces. It's pretty cool when your nephew just kind of hops into your timeline on Twitter. I'm watching Twitter, and I see, oh, that's a video. That's an Alexander Canario home run. People are telling me I got to watch that. So I click on it, and I'm watching it, and as I'm watching it, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, that sounds like my nephew. And it is, because Jack McMullen is a hell of a play-by-play voice uh, rising in this business. A Syracuse grad. Folks, you might know they have a pretty decent history of of pumping out sports broadcasters. Former sports director of WAER Radio, uh, just like Jason Benetti back in the day. And a, a producer of Good Comp, Bad Comp as well. And now the voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps minor league team in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Jack McMullen joins us right now on the uh, hotline, which is uh, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Did I hit everything in the intro there, Jack? Pretty close. Man, well, good comp, bad comp leads the resume, absolutely. Uh, The Just Baseball Show, got to plug the podcast. The Just Baseball Show, TikTok is our biggest medium right now. It's kind of crazy. Wow. See, Just Baseball is the podcast. There you go. I've been a guest on that, and you've, um, you've had lots of, lots of good shows. You had Costas on there, didn't you? We, we had Bob Costas. It was, it was really cool. That was a, a pinch-me moment. Holy crap, what is Bob Costas doing talking to two 23-year-old dudes that just like baseball? But Bob Costas yeah. likes baseball, and he relayed the story about Ichiro's favorite American expression, and it was perfect. There you go. That's outstanding. Um, well, Jack, tell us about some of these guys that you've gotten a chance to see. Alexander Canario had a big, big week for South Bend, and he is one of the prospects that the Cubs got from the San Francisco Bryants after the Chris trade over there. And Canario is, is very, very toolsy, has a lot of swing and miss in his game, but when there's power, there's lots of power, isn't there? There's lots of power. I actually said 
on our telecast on Thursday that there's a lot of Luis Robert in his swing. I think the load and the bat path are very similar to that. He also is phenomenal defensively. And my week of watching Alexander Canario is not done. Uh, He's the cleanup hitter today, 105 first pitch right here at Parkview Field in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So excited to see Canario one more time. He'll play all six games of this six-game minor league set. That's a new schedule thing. But, yeah, Canario, I've seen him make two outfield assists. Guy's got a cannon of an arm. I've seen him track down three baseballs, hit into the alley that nobody else in high A would be tracking down. And I've seen him hit two home runs, one 423 feet out to left center. And it was uh, a moonshot. So Canario has been killing it. I've seen a couple other of these uh, returns. So Canario was the main piece of the Chris Bryant return. I saw Alexander Vizcaino start a game, who was the main piece of the Anthony Rizzo return. And uh, yeah. Vizcaino yeah. started a no-hitter on Thursday. So Vizcaino and Kevin Alcantara are the two Yankee prospects that came. So you saw Alexander Vizcaino, who's an older pitcher. It's interesting because Vizcaino, I think he's, I want to say he's 25. Um, uh, and, and still has a chance, obviously, but has... Uh, has been branded as sort of a 4A kind of, uh, kind of talent or just not, not quite there. But, but tell us what you saw in Vizcaino as he started a no-hitter for South Bend this week. So during the international signing period, a lot of guys sign right after their 16th birthday. You constantly see that. Vizcaino signed when he was 19. So, yeah, he's in his mid-20s, but he was pumping 99. He was a starter throwing 98-99. Like, that is a bullpen piece for the Cubs whenever they want him. I think he's better than high A right now, but he's 24 years old. The Cubs, I think, want to see what they got, and uh, they got a good one. The The command is an issue at points, but the velocity and the stuff is too good to ignore. And what's fun about Vizcaino is when you throw 98-99, you're expecting the second-best pitch to be the slider, hard and harder. But his second-best pitch is his changeup. It's around 90. It's got splitter-type movement. If he has that two-pitch mix, he can actually be a reliever at Wrigley Field very soon. So Jack has always, from a very young age, been fascinated with pitching, was a pitcher himself, and loves thinking about the psychology and the chemistry, if you will, of pitching. And yeah, fastball change is a fun combo. Really all you need is two as, as a reliever. And he's been working on that third pitch, uh, whether it's going to be slider, curve, or whatever, but fastball change for Vizcaino. You're listening to Jack McMullen, voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. He just told you about number seven on the Cubs prospect list and number eight on the Cubs prospect list, Canario and Vizcaino. Let's go off guys named Alexander. Um, you've seen a ton of Brennan Davis. So, so, I mean, like Brennan Davis is the headliner right now in the system. He's listed as either number two or number one, depending on the rankings. I don't think he's gotten that AAA call up just yet still, uh, still with the, uh, the Tennessee Smokies in, in, in AA. But tell us, tell us what you've seen when you've gotten a chance to look at Brennan Davis. I love Brennan Davis so much. This is a top 20 prospect in Major League Baseball if I've ever seen one. There was a game earlier this year, Brennan Davis had four hits and he went, to the pull side, he went up the middle twice, and he went to the opposite field. It's all with power, too. Brennan Davis is as good a hitter as I think minor league baseball has right now. Brennan Davis, Adley Rutschman, Spencer Torkelson are the three that jump out to me. And it's weird to say Brennan Davis is in that conversation because 
he wasn't at the beginning of this year, but he's dominating double A. This guy is the center fielder of the future for the Cubs, and they're just trying to fill out the corners right now, which is, is so weird to say. But, you know, the Cubs, you never really thought that they had that deep system, that star-studded system, but they have a future superstar, in my opinion, at the top Woof. of that system, which is fun. Woo! That's, that's some high praise for Brennan Davis. He has, he has stormed up the rankings and had a much bigger year than folks really expected, highlighted by winning MVP of the Futures game with the two home runs there. Um, and it's interesting to hear, as we're talking about Davis and Canario, too, they're going to have, the Cubs are, two cost-controlled, probable middle infielders who are contact hitter types in Nick Madrigal and in Nico Horner. And then they're going to have to fill in with prospects from all around, all over the place, and other acquisitions with power. So, like, as much as we've been frustrated watching some of the stars and Bryant and, and Baez and, and Rizzo be, like, home run or bust, you can have a few of those guys. You need a few of those guys, obviously. So Davis and Canario both kind of, both kind of, you know, it's okay if they've got holes in their swing as long as they're providing the power because that can be part of the mix of the new Cubs lineup. Absolutely. And I I think what's lost with Brennan Davis is, you know, with minor league baseball, you just kind of dive into obscurity for a little bit. And a lot of photos that you will see of Brennan Davis are from maybe a year ago, maybe even pre-pandemic when he's thin. The guy is very strong now. Everybody in high A has bulging forearms. They look a little bit like Popeye. And Brennan Davis has legitimate arms. He's got a legitimate body. This guy is a freak athlete. He's fast. He's strong. Canario is a very strong human being. There are a lot of these guys that love power, will hit for power, but will also kind of give you the five tools and spurts. And I think that's Davis and Canario. And then I've seen so much, like, I've seen more high 90s fastballs this week from South Bend, so the Cubs high A affiliate than I have from any other affiliate. And the Dodgers high A is the second most, I guess, stacked roster that I've seen. This is a different high A roster now. What's fun about minor league baseball is as the big league team gets worse, the minor league system gets better. So South Bend was bad at the beginning of the year. They are now really good. Yeah, I mean, well, this is what this is what Cub fans used to have to do is is widen the focus, is to really zoom out and look at the minor leagues. Um, and and now I, I know a lot of people are not ready to do this again, uh, but the truth is that they have to do this again. Um, let me ask you about uh-huh. Anderson Anderson Espinoza because Anderson Espinoza was a member of the Tin Caps, and you guys are a Padres affiliate. Yeah. Yeah. So Anderson Espinosa, a member of the Tin Caps there, and then eventually gets sent to the Cubs as part of a Jake Marisnik return. And I was not expecting to have a name of potential consequence um, in a Jake Marisnik return. But Anderson Espinosa is a pretty interesting arm. Tell us about him a little bit. That's the second time that Espinosa has been traded straight up for a big leaguer. And the first time was back in 2016 when he was this 18-year-old wonderkin of the Red Sox organization like this mm-hmm. teenager throwing 101 and it's it's like oh my god this is freaky and he was traded straight up for Drew Pomerantz who was an all-star reliever at the time and as he came to the Padres system he tore his UCL after the 2016 season so he gets Tommy John surgery he's coming back and then he suffers a ruptured graft 
which is re-tearing that repaired UCL. So he had two Tommy John surgeries. He's ready to come back for the 2020 season, and then COVID-19 obviously cancels the minor league season. So his last appearance before May 6th of 2021 was in September of 2016. And the way that I kind of contextualize that is he did not pitch during the Trump administration. His last outing was when Barack Obama was the president, and his next outing was when Joe Biden was the president, (laughs) which is crazy. And Espinosa's 23 now, but he's got a high 90s fastball. He was sitting 96 in his first minor league outing in five years, uh, and he's got a good slider, too. That's a guy that I think can be in the bullpen at some point. You can't give up hope on Espinosa because the stuff is so good, and he's a really nice dude. He's been through everything, and he's still Mm – Super nice, super courteous, and you always got to root for the nice dude. Uh, well, you know, it uh, sounds like an, a worthwhile lottery ticket, I suppose, in a, in a Jake Marisnik uh, trade. Um, Jack, uh, you know, uh, I know you're interested in sort of what the philosophies of the smartest teams are these days, and I, I will always think of the Dodgers, at least in this moment, Andrew Friedman and everything that they're doing there from the top to the bottom what are, you, what are some things that, that organizations can learn from the way that the Dodgers keep churning out prospect after prospect after prospect? So the weirdest thing that the Dodgers do is their starters go max three innings. Clayton Beater is a top 15 guy in the Dodgers system. We've seen him, I think, start four games so far, which is weird because we've only seen him twice. So 12 games, Beater has started four but that's because he's going no more than two innings at a time. So they have a designed starter to go two innings. Then they have a designed piggybacker who will go maybe three or four. I feel like they're just really good at nurturing pitchers and they're really good at not turning a blind eye to 31 through 50 in their system. And that's what the Yankees did. That's why, that's why they're so good. And that's why they could not give up quote-unquote, the, the top prizes for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo and Andrew Heaney. Like, if you have a deep system, there is no drastic drop-off from 30 to 31. MLB.com only goes up to 30. But 31 is still really good. So I think the Dodgers do a good job of focusing on 31 through 50, 31 through 100. I think the Yankees do a good job of that. The Padres have done a great job of that through A.J. Preller and Obviously, the Rays do a great job of that, too, under Eric Neander. Yeah, they, those, those, are, those are three of the best, uh, that's for sure. Interesting, you know, I wonder how much the Dodgers thing is about preserving health, um, minimizing innings and pitches along the way while giving them the most chance to, to also develop. It probably has a lot to do with that. Then I find myself thinking about some of their prospects when they do come to the bigs, they still end up getting hurt. Like Julio Urias yeah. got hurt and Dustin May got hurt. It remains a crazy inexact science to get the most out of these young pitchers and keep them healthy, doesn't it? It's inevitable. It, it's, it feels inevitable at this point, which is crazy. And the amount of torn UCLs that I've seen on, on rosters, the amount of 60-day ILs for pitchers on rosters that I've seen this year is just ludicrous. But, but that's where we are. The obsession with maximum velocity – um, and, and getting the most out of your frame is resulting in torn UCLs. But I, I think what's lost about Tommy John surgery and a torn UCL is while so many people do it, 
it's really hard to come back. So the, the Tommy John fraternity um, is, is a real one because everybody goes through the same mental struggles. And do I even want to keep playing baseball? This is so damn hard. I, there's a lot of that. And, you know, I, what I do like about the Dodgers philosophy is, you know, you, you've got these guys, you're not burning them out early. They're not getting Tommy John when they're, you know, 18, 19 years old. They're, they're getting it when they're up there. If you're going to get it, I think I'd prefer to be a big leaguer. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, no, probably then you're at least pulling that big league money. That's for sure. Right. Jack, thank you. Thank you, man. A pleasure talking to you. Um, enjoy yourself. Uh, proud of you from the uh, the uncle perspective, and also you're just damn good. So keep going. Thanks, keep man. Love right. you, Uncle Matt. Thank you. Love you. That's Jack McMullen. How often do you get to say to your guest at the end of the show, love you, love you? <laughs> oh, man, good stuff, though. Uh, 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with on Hit and Run. Here up until Cubs pregame, which comes your way about 1130. We're way late. We'll take a break, come back, and talk possible position player keepers on the Cubs and take more of your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.